Our scripture reading will be taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 15, and verses 10 through 20. I'll be reading from the King James Version. In verse number 10, the word of God says, And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father have not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly? and is cast out into the drop. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashing hands devoureth not a man. Here in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus calls the multitude to himself and wants them to be sure they're paying attention and are listening to what he has to say. He says there in verse 11, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a man. It's not so much as what goes in your mouth, but what comes out of it. And when you hear to whom this was spoken, you find that there were those that were more concerned with what goes in the mouth. If you look at the beginning of the chapter, in verses 1 and 2, who else but the scribes and Pharisees? They're the ones that come to Jesus with the problem. The problem is that they notice that Jesus' disciples do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And as a result, they claim that they are transgressing the tradition of the elders. To them, this is defiling the law. They are doing something that the scribes and the Pharisees did not think that they should do. But as Jesus began to respond directly to them in verses 3 through 9, he explains that scribes, Pharisees, you yourselves are defiling God because you are more concerned with your tradition rather than keeping the commandments of God. 
It is not about keeping tradition. What it is about is what is acceptable unto God. And so as Jesus made this very clear unto them, then in verses 10 and 11, he begins to call the whole group together. But then down in verse 15, Peter answered and said, Explain the parable unto us. There was an opportunity for Jesus to teach them specifically what should we be concerned about and what should we not be concerned about. You'll find that this passage is also written very similar according to the Gospel of Mark. And in Mark's Gospel in chapter 7, you find there in verse 18 that Jesus explained this parable to his disciples. In Mark chapter 7 and in verse 18, he said it this way, Are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. Notice the contrast. Jesus said what you take in does not affect the heart, but instead it goes to the stomach. There are those that focus more on the stomach than the heart. And the Bible teaches us that should not be the focus. When Paul was writing to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, there in verse 13, he said, Foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy both it and them. And wasn't that what the scribes and the Pharisees were all concerned about? The physical things, the things that were going to be destroyed. And sometimes we need to take a step back. Maybe the things that we see are not the main thing that we should be looking at. A case in point, we go to the book of Acts in chapter 10. Now you'll recall in Acts chapter 10, Peter has a vision. And in that vision, he sees a sheet that is let down from heaven. That sheet comes down three times, and it is filled with animals that, according to the old law, were not to be eaten. You could go back to the book of Leviticus and read throughout the 11th chapter to find what God allowed to be eaten and what God said not to eat. And as this things took place to Peter, You'll find there in Acts chapter 10 and verse 13, a voice came to him saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But in verse 14, Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Peter knew the law. He was willing to abide by it. But in verse 15, the voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. You must not call unclean. God has the right. He has the power to say something is clean or unclean. And of course, later in that chapter, Peter began to realize that God used this as an illustration that 
everyone can be adherent to the gospel. Not just Jews, but Gentiles as well. But yet, food was used as an illustration. There are so many things that take place regarding food. Food can be a blessing, but it can also be a curse. Not only to one's own life as to what type or how much he eats, but also in relationship to others, or perhaps even between one's relationship to himself and to God. In Romans, the 14th chapter, there in verse 14, the Apostle Paul said very clearly, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is greed because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You could see that the scribes and the Pharisees did not have these things. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, because they were concerned with the physical things, not with the spiritual things. And that's what we need to be concerned about. We need to be concerned about the spiritual things. The things that God has done for us. The things that we must be doing for Him. And for these things, indeed, we must be very thankful. As Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, there in verse 3, he was explaining about the things that the Spirit expressly says, how in the latter times people would depart from the faith, the things that they would be doing, in verse 3, he begins to say, They forbid to marry. They command to abstain from foods with which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. Be thankful. There are things that you can freely partake of and give thanks to God for that. So it does not matter what you put into your mouth. But rather, it depends on what comes from your heart. And many times what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And that's what Jesus said. What comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. Does our mouths often get us into trouble? Have we ever said something that we wish we hadn't said? Sometimes we speak without thinking. Maybe something needed to be said, but we did not say it in the proper way. Well, the wise men said in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 6, Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. 
Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? You find, first of all, that the statement is made, do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin. Sometimes we do say things that cause us to get into trouble. And sometimes because of what we have said, we have an obligation to do something about it. How quick are we to say, well, I will go to such and such a place and to do such and such a thing. And then before we realized it, we are in over our heads. Well, I'm going to go ahead and do the very best I can. But sometimes it is for the good, and sometimes it is not for so good. But then he said, why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? Maybe we're not doing the proper thing because of what we said. Maybe our focus should be elsewhere. And maybe the things that we say are not the things that we should say at all. Why? Because what is what we say? What is it? What is it all about? Where does it come from? The answer is found in the Gospel of Matthew. There in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 12, beginning here in verse 34, Jesus tells us very plainly. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34, Jesus says, Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Jesus said it very plainly. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What comes out of the mouth is a reflection of what is in the heart. The things that we constantly think about. What are our desires? What are our goals in life? What do we want to do each and every day? Is it good? Is it helpful? Do we speak about these things? Can others tell what is really deep inside us by how we talk and by the things that we do? After all, if we Think about it long enough, we'll speak it. If we speak it so much, we'll decide to start doing it. And we have to wonder, is it a good thing or a bad thing? You know, there is something inside of our mouths that is very difficult to contain. And that is the tongue. The book of James in chapter 3 describes that very tongue. For there in verse 6 in James chapter 3, he says, The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set 
on fire by hell. But then coming down to verse 10, he adds, No man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. The mouth can produce both blessing and cursing, but it should not be that way. Have you ever tried to tame your tongue? If you do that from a physical standpoint, you know it's very hard for the tongue to be still. I can remember many years ago being a lot younger and a lot more bored, not having anything to do. I realized that the tongue is indeed an involuntary muscle, and it seems to always be moving. And if you try to hold your tongue to try to keep it still, it's still impossible to do because it's still twitching and moving in all kinds of directions. And I thought, you know, if I cannot do that with my own fingers to keep it still, think how even more difficult it is to control when I speak what I should say and how to go about saying it. What are the things that I am speaking of? What comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And so then we have to ask ourselves, what is in the heart? You know, the heart is very hard to see. In fact, man has a hard time looking deep into the heart. Remember as David was going to be chosen as the next king, of Israel, we learn that God does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. God can see what no one else sees. And the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 17, there and in verse 9, Jeremiah says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruits of his doings. The Lord is searching the heart. He is testing it to see exactly what is really deep in there. He has a purpose for doing so. In a few chapters earlier in the book of Jeremiah, we find that purpose. In chapter 11 and in verse 20, we read, But you, O Lord of hosts, you who judge righteously, testing the mind and the heart, let me see your vengeance on them, for to you I have revealed my cause. He judges righteously. He tests the mind and the heart. He will take vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of Christ. He wants to know, are we really really listening to him? Are we truly willing to do what he says? 
in the book of Revelation in chapter 2. There in verse 23, those in Thyatira were told, I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. I search your heart, and I will give you according to your works. The works that we do, the what comes out of our mouth, they reflect what is in our heart. In Proverbs chapter 23 and in verse 7, the Bible says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. And that's what Jesus often told the scribes and the Pharisees. Earlier in our text in Matthew chapter 15, he said, There are those that worship me in vain. For they teach for doctrines the commandments of men. They did these things that others could see, but their heart is far from him. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 19 says, As in water face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. A man's heart shows what man is all about. If you want to know where to go to find who someone is, you don't look at the outward appearance. Instead, you look at the heart. And that's what Jesus knew. Jesus knew what was there. Because there were many times that Jesus knew what people were thinking. He knew what their true motive was when they would ask certain questions. On the surface, it appeared that they wanted to know an answer to a certain question. But Jesus knew that they might have been trying to trap him, to get him to say something contrary to the law, something that they might have caused to accuse him of blasphemy, to crucify him there upon the cross. Jesus knew what many others did not. And so let's answer that question. What is then? In man's heart. Well Jesus said there in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 19. He said for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. Murders. Adulteries. Fornications. Thefts. False witness. Blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. These are only a few things listed here, but if you go to the parallel passage in Mark chapter 7, you find perhaps a more exhaustive list. Beginning in verse 21 of Mark chapter 7, there Jesus said, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, Murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile of man. 
things that we can say, things that we may think. But you know, Jesus would equate those very two. Not only as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, but Jesus also said that even if you look at someone else with certain thoughts, it's just as much as the physical act. These are things we need to keep in mind. What is it then that we should do? What are the things that we need to know that should be in our heart, not what we should avoid? Well, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, there in verse 12, the Bible says that the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When we read the word of God, it really causes us to reflect upon ourselves. But you know, also while reading that word, I find what I should put in my heart. I find what is in my heart that should not be there. And therefore, I need to cleanse my heart. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and and verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall say God. Well, what if? I don't have a pure heart. How am I going to get one? Well, let's consider what a few individuals said from the Old Testament. First of all, the prophet Ezekiel said in chapter 18, verse 31, Cast away all the transgressions which you have committed, and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. First, you've got to get rid of the old. The things that are in the heart that defile a man, you got to get rid of them. How do we get rid of those very things? Well, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the one that had died upon the cross. He is the one that shed his sinless blood so that our sins, every word, every thought, every action that should not be there can be taken away. And once the old has been cleansed, then we are ready for something new. Remember the plead of Daniel in Psalm 51, excuse me, David, after the sin that David had committed with Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite, he pleaded, create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He was ready to have something new. And God indeed can give us something new. Our hearts can be changed. You see, Jesus made it very clear. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles the man, but what comes from the heart. And many times what comes out of the mouth is from the heart. So the question we must ask ourselves is, is your heart right with God? If you need to respond to the invitation, now is the perfect opportunity. We're about to have a song of invitation, and if you need to respond, won't you do so? As together we stand and sing.